time to make your fantasy a reality. With the help of the crew over at Fantasy Insider and the boys at Woot and Y. This is DFS Down Under. Hello and welcome to a Super Bowl edition of DFS Down Under. I'm Josh Y and we're brought to you by Fantasy Insider, the trusted tools used by Australia's daily fantasy sports players. And joining me from Fantasy Insider, like he has all season long, to great success, is Data Daryl, or Daryl Data, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you make the call in the final week, punters and, and DFS players, but uh, he's back and uh, after a, a good week off... Um, Plenty of time to, to look over the lineups and, and the uh, and the cruncher and, and crunch some lineups. Yeah, it was strange last week, not having a, no NFL around, no competition tournaments around. Um, yeah, been looking a bit at this weekend's um, the Super Bowl. It should be a pretty entertaining game, I think. Um, I fancy it to be a, perhaps a little bit closer than the odds would suggest, and mm. um, hopefully it will end up that way in the... Uh, Contests for the ages. We don't always get them, but maybe we'll get one. Yeah, well, we got we got a pretty good one last year. Um, although it didn't look good for for a long time in that game. But you talk about the odds. Uh, so New England at the money line, dollar fifty. Philadelphia, two dollars and sixty five cents. Those odds courtesy of William Hill. Um, and the line at the moment is four and a half. Uh, in favor of New England, obviously, uh, at a dollar ninety two or dollar ninety, whatever, wherever percentage you want to bet at. Personally, I prefer that the, the the dollar uh, ninety two over the dollar ninety, but um, <laughs> I'll take the dollar ninety fives. I think yeah, that would be a much better, uh, <laughs> yeah, much better percentage there for the punters. But yeah, it it is four and a half. The total is at forty eight, forty seven and a half at some places as well. I expect that line to probably go back to five. All the money during the week has been big on uh, the the Eagles. Are better X as he's known, and the guy who cleaned up Vegas for the World Series has had multi million dollar bets on the Eagles, which pushed that line down from five and a half to four and a half. But uh, I always mm-hmm. expect some late Patriots money um, on yep. you know a Saturday afternoon over in Vegas. So I do think that line goes back out to five. But you think it's going to be a bit closer than that? Yeah, I lean on the side of the Eagles. Um, I think we have it kind of closer to a two and a half mm. um, line. So I think four and a half gives you so a bit of value there. Mm. Um, but yeah, beyond Philly on the money line, beyond Philly on the spread. And I think the total is pretty much spot on at 47 and a half. I think if yeah. I plug 48 in, we lean very slightly under. If I plug 47 in, we lean very slightly over. Yeah. Um, I, but I, it's a no bet for me. Yeah, I like, I'm leaning towards the under at the 48. Um, that's a that's a key number. Um, yeah. Massive in, in, the, in NFL terms, that 48 number. Um, so I, I don't have a model or anything advanced system like other people do, but uh, just my power rankings that and, and a sheet that I use all year. Um, for, for my betting purposes, I have this closer to a touchdown. Um, I have a yeah. lot of value in my ranking system to quarterbacks and coaching, and that's where Philly have the bigger advantage. So I am going to probably lean more Patriots um, in my lineups this week. But obviously it does come down to narrative. We talked about that in conference championship games and, and what you fancy as a narrative. And if you think a team's going to be behind, obviously that may suit Nick Foles. So while I think the Patriots will win... That doesn't necessarily mean that Brady is going to be a, a better fantasy performer than Foles. Um, so that yeah. it all comes down to to 
to that narrative and how you think the game is going to play out, how much does that affect your lineup in a, in a single game sample size? Yeah, so single game NFL to me has quite a few parallels to um, perhaps Big Bash is a good example where you basically kind of have some templates um, and you kind of think about, okay, well, I'll have this quarterback. If I have this quarterback, I've got to have this um, defense. So you've got to have the opposite defense. You're then perhaps going to take two wide receivers from the um, team that you think is going to win. You perhaps take one from the team you think is going to lose. Um, and you almost end up building, I think you can probably build kind of six or seven realistic um, templates for this kind of game. Um, everything from kind of blowouts one way or the other to close games. Um, blowouts, obviously, your opposing quarterback, as you mentioned, can still potentially have a little bit of value because they're going to be potentially throwing um, a lot of yards late on, whereas the other team are going to be running. So, yep. yeah, I think you build a few templates and go from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you talk about favoring Philly um, with your Stats Insider model. Uh, underdogs are, are mm. 9-1 and one against the spread in the playoffs uh, this season, so it's worked famously. Um, so that's something to to think about um, if you're into trends and, and whatnot. But uh, obviously, there's no weather to consider in this game as well. Um, definitely yep. an indoor dome, so there's no need to worry at all about that. Um, any other final thoughts on just single game NFL and and what you're seeing in terms of this particular matchup before we go into uh, position by position? Um, so in terms of single game strategy, like this tournament's probably um, I haven't actually checked what the total prize pools are but i think they're probably going to be you know three four hundred uh entrants is yeah, that right i'm looking now uh 385 on giraffe stars yeah. for five thousand dollars from memory yeah they've also got yeah. a couple of double ups and, and a 500 dollars mini with 290 uh, moneyball has a four thousand dollars super bowl special with 312 yeah. Entries and then a two dollar one as well, and and some double ups. So a bit underwhelming um, prize pools. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're talking Super Bowl, like that, that's very disappointing. Um, yeah, from a from a point of view, I think this is the time you really up the ante. Um, it's it's the Super Bowl. Even even uh, just people off the street are interested in the Super Bowl and and the event and the spectacle. And if there's ever a chance to get new people involved in DFS um, for the NFL, it's it's right now in this in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'd certainly have liked to have seen them a bit bigger. Um, Super Bowl is a weird one in the US, right? Because as I recall, they have to have at least two games to make a contest. Yep. So in the past, you've had like the Pro Bowl combined with the Super Bowl, it's which just is just crazy, kind of bizarre. Like, like, <laughs> like they play two hand touch, like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, um, I haven't checked what they've done this year, but it, yeah, it then tends to generate a bit less attention from a DFS perspective in the US just because of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, you'd certainly have hoped to have seen better. But yeah, so three to 400 teams, um, it wouldn't surprise me if there are kind of 20 or 30 people with each of um, sort of three or four common um, sets of lineups. Yep. I think your kind of optimal team or optimal two teams um, are pretty far ahead on a kind of a number system from most other combinations. Yep. So you run the risk there of, You've basically got to decide whether you want to kind of play an optimist side, um, potentially be up in the top couple of lineups but have a massive tie for the prize money, or if you'd rather take a risk, maybe just putting one POD in, um, you can there hope to go unique. But if one of those or two of those really optimal lineups hit, you could even find yourself out of the cash because there's such a traffic jam ahead of you. Yeah, it's it's tough, and that's why in some of my picks I've gone with a real pod 
on the standard pod because there's going to be some players that I think people are going to say, point of difference, no one's going to play them. But I feel like a lot of people are going to play those players because it's people are going to try and be different. So I'm going to even go even deeper um, into it. But um, it is interesting. And I think I talked to you about even risking some lineups, like just throwing someone in there. You may expect a zero, but it means you can optimize your lineup um, at, at totally other positions while saving cash. Yeah, we've talked about that. And so my point with that and with kind of going too extreme on pods is just the entry numbers. Um, like if there were 4,000 people in a contest, absolutely. Yep. If there's 400 people in a contest no, and so we could potentially see 150 of them have four or five lineups, I just wonder how different you want to go. Yeah, true. All right, well, let's let's get into it. At the quarterback position, there's only two ways to go unless you're forecasting an injury and if that's the case and you and you win by that regard, good luck to you and uh, well, well done. Um, but, uh, yeah, even if it is Nate Sudfeld or Brian Hoyer or anyone else, for that matter, if something happens before we even get to uh, Super Bowl Sunday, then, yeah, that's that's insane. But um, yeah. Tom Brady, obviously the far more expensive option, 9,100 Moneyball, uh, 15,400 on draft stars, he has the highest Vegas line for yardage, touchdowns, completions, attempts, lowest line for interceptions. So he's a much safer pick, but costs a lot more. So I think Foles has the potential to be disastrous, especially if uh, New England get out to an early 10-0 lead. Um, you, you, we've seen Foles throw interceptions and bad passes, and you could see multiple turnovers. But if he played like yep. he did last week, he could be the biggest pod of them all. And I'm not sure how high ownership percentage will be with Foles, because there is some stigma attached to his name, and it's it's Tom Brady, and he's one of the most popular players in in the world and and Australia, as as the Pats being the most popular team. So he's a thousand cheaper on Moneyball Foles, and thirteen thousand one hundred and fifty on Draft Stars. I'll be mixing my lineups um, yep. with both of those guys, but um, I'm not sure how I'm going to split it. Um, it might just be fifty fifty down the line with these guys because. Um, I can, you know, use that extra thousand a, a little bit later on, or two thousand that I'm saving on draft stars. Yeah. So, what do you think Foles will be? Twenty five percent, something like that. Yeah. Twenty percent. I think that's probably yeah, twenty five to thirty mark. I think is probably where yeah. he will he will be at. Um, it's hard to really judge. Um, normally, you can go off some of the you know, forecasts in the states, but as you said, with no uh, no real sort of uh, contest because of the one game thing it's hard to really get any sort of feel at all mm. yeah so if he's 25 30 percent i think going kind of 50 percent exposure on him makes sense from that kind of point of difference perspective mm. um we have brady i think three and a half points or so ahead of Foles. um he's the better dollar per point play but as i say numbers only mean so much in these kind of contests and it's just going to be a case of matching him with the right matching either quarterback with the right players further down the lineup i think yeah, so obviously if you are playing Brady or Foles, you, you prefer to handcuff for the rest of your lineup, so it's a good starting point when building your lineups. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you've got your quarterback in, you're probably going to go with the opposite, um, sorry, with the defense that kind of pairs with them, um, yep. and then you can kind of fill in the gaps. Yeah, definitely. And then you start to work out how much money you've got left, and and then you've got to go those other routes there. Um yeah. So I normally ask you what else the cruncher likes, but it's it's two or none at this point. Um, so yeah, I yeah. think we have 0.0 projected for the others. Okay, there you go. So no injury <laughs> forecast from the cruncher at all. So no, no. Brian Hoyer, no Nate Sudfeld um, whatsoever um, in these matchups. Uh, moving on to running back, 
Um, I like Jay Ajayi this week. Uh, he's 6,900 on Moneyball, 13,450 on Draft Stars. Look, he's going to be massively owned, but the Patriots, they only gave up five rushing touchdowns to running backs this year. That, that's the second fewest in the NFL. They did give up four passing touchdowns to opposing running backs. And the Eagles were the number three rushing offense in the regular season. They averaged 4.5 yards per carry and 132.2 yards per game. And the Pats had the number 20 rushing defense, giving up an average of 4.7 yards per carry at 114.8 yards per game. So um, if they go three wide and and, and force the uh, the Pats to play two linebackers, I can see Ajayi getting more space and, and some more receptions as well. So I do think he's in for... A big game on the ground and in the air. Yeah, so we have them not that dissimilar um, on the ranking system. Um, I think the question is just, so you've got, what, two running backs, one flex, uh, buddy balls, two running balls, two flexes on draft stars. I can see them both being pretty highly owned. Mm. Um, yeah, 12.5 points versus 12.3 on money ball and um, slightly further ahead. Um, John Lewis slightly further ahead on um, draft stars, but yeah, I think there's an option potentially to play both of them. It kind of then gets tricky to fill in your lineups elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I think, again, it's going to come down to kind of your roadmap for the game, whether you think they're going to be running late, whether you want the um, running back who might catch some passes. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different kind of thought processes that go into running back, and it's pretty hard decision hard position um, to fill in this week. Yeah, it is, definitely. And, as you know, it's it's a... There's plenty of options, though, because both these teams have a variety of, of decent running backs. James yep. White is proven in the Super Bowl. He, he should have been MVP last year, had a monster game. Rex Burkhead has proven to be a, a great goal line back, so I think he could potentially be a vulture for for Dion Lewis at the goal line. Um, they do split backs a lot, and Brady does pass to his running backs a ton in the playoffs. He, he throws a lot to them during the year, but it, it goes up about 20% in the playoffs, so there's definitely options for them. I, I just feel a lot safer with Lewis. Um, I call him kind of their, their Swiss army knife because New England change up their strategy every single game based off what the matchup tells them to do, but he's kind of the jack-of-all-trades. So if they do run yeah. it a lot, he's going to get a lot of carries, but if they do go pass-heavy, he he's going to have six, seven catches anyway. So he is matchup-proof, so he's kind of a staple in terms of guaranteed points. But if if he's going to be owned by everyone, it's not really that much of a, of a bonus um, unless you can really be... Um, a bit more uh, lucky with your other selections, I guess. Yeah, if I was going with a kind of New England win by a decent amount lineup, I think I'd probably like to have a White or a Burkehead in there. Mm. Um, Philly, it's a little bit harder. You've got um, Legabit Blount, of course, to come back and haunt the Patriots. Potentially. Um, I think him projected at 4.7, um, which is a bit better than kind of Burkehead or Clement on a sort of dollar for point basis, at least for draft stars. Um, yeah, tough one. Um, and making use of your, or deciding where to use your flex positions um, in these kind of single game contests, I think is an interesting strategy point as well. Yeah, uh, but I think my favorite running back play is going to be Corey Clement, given his price. And I I have a really good feeling about him this week. He's 5,200 on Moneyball, 6,000 at Draft Stars. So he'll be a flex in a lot of my lineups or a running back too. So I could potentially have an Ertz Gronk. Uh, combination later on, mm-hmm. um, but I do think he could be the guy that is involved heavily in the passing game. So if they are to win it, it's going to be with their tight ends and running backs because New England's secondary are very well suited to to fill his wide receivers. So 
Um, it'll it'll be- definitely come from from running backs and tight ends, and both Ajayi and, and Corey Clement can be dangerous in the open field when in the way that TJ Yeldon and Corey Grant were used last week in that AFC Championship game. Corey Grant, despite barely being used all season, ripped them for 59 yards on three catches, two of them in the in the, uh, the, the buzzword at the moment, RPOs, the run-pass options that Philly love to run. Um, so it doesn't take much volume for, for Clement to provide sort of a change of pace and, and pick up yardage. So just looking sort of last in the playoffs, he's had... Um, on a second and four, he, he caught a catch in the flat seven yards. Second and 14, catching the flat 11 yards. Third and three, catching the flat four yards. I'm, there's, a, there's a theme here. Screen, seven yards. Another flat, two yards. Run up the middle, five yards. They're getting him in space and, and making him miss tackles. Um, he's forced a, a lot of missed tackles. I do think he could be a guy, and he's great in pass protection as well. So he's going to be there on third downs. Um, so I do think Corey Clement has a big game. I do like his overs. I mentioned that on our punting podcast um, as well. But I think Clement um, is definitely someone I'm going to have a lot of um, shares in this week. I just can see him being sort of the matchup that Doug Peterson likes. Yeah, the reasoning there is interesting. I say he's not. He doesn't show up in too many of our top lines. He comes, I think, shows up at number six. So he lined up from six on draft stars. Um, but yeah, it's a convincing case. I'm going to have to have a, another look at him and kind of see what his Vegas numbers look like um, in some of those prop markets as we get closer yeah, to the game. Yeah, the Vegas numbers are very low, um, which which concerns me because he can pick up seven, eight yards on on, on, uh, on a catch. So all he needs to do is catch sort of three passes and he's he's going to smash those projections. Um, I think he's projected for 13.5 rushing yards and 14.5 receiving yards or something like that, which is... Mm-hmm. Just just a little bit too low for my liking. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to use Blount, but I, I just, I don't know. I have a feeling about Corey Clement. Um, I just think the matchup's good for them in the way that Corey Grant was used uh, last week for, for the Jags. So um, it's a complete gut feel for that one. And there is some yeah. numbers to back it up, but yeah, that's just uh, the, the, uh, the the emotion side to the data. Uh, you got to try and find the balance um, before we yeah, move sure. before we move to wide receiver, I do need to mention the lineup cruncher. Um, there's probably not a better time than now to to invest in the cruncher for the big dance. But with the lineup cruncher, you can build up to 40 lineups with one button. That's 40 instant lineups that you can enter and win cash on with a few clicks. But did you know that Fantasy Insider Premium you can create uh, you can get access to over 50, to 15 other features on the lineup crunch. I haven't stuffed that up all year, and then in the uh, Super Bowl <laughs> show, I stuff it up. But you can go premium today, fantasyinsider.com.au slash wootwai. fantasyinsider.com.au slash wootwai. And those other features you can use for NRL and AFL seasons coming up, and uh, the Big Bash final um, this weekend as well, and the rest of the NBA season. So there's plenty on offer on Fantasy Insider. There's <laughs> just too much. It's just it's an overload. Um, I shouldn't be complaining. It's great. Uh, my fiance is AFLW up now. Yeah, I saw that. That's uh, I'm keen to to look into that. Um, but I'll I'll wait till after Super Bowl week, I think. Um, yeah. and yeah, just take maybe take a day or two off from um some DFS. Um, all right, wide <laughs> wide receivers. Um, Brandon Cooks is my lock of the week this week. I I like Brandon Cooks this week. Seven thousand two hundred on Moneyball, thirteen thousand nine hundred on Draft He's my lock of a, week, a lock of the week for a different, for a few different reasons. Wow, I've just managed to go tongue-tied in the last minute and a half. But um, Brandon Cooks for for a few reasons. One is 
no huddle. Two is the matchup, and three, his money ball price is, is pretty tempting. He is the highest paid on draft stars in terms of wide receivers. But um, the no huddle thing is I do think the Pats are going to run a high-tempo offense against the Eagles. They're going to do a lot of no huddle because it impedes Philadelphia's strength. Um, they they have a lot of depth in pass rush and defensive line, and that's how they've been managed, managing to get to the quarterback so effectively is because they're rotating players, having fresh legs, and just wearing other teams' offensive lines out. So if they go no huddle, they reduce the Eagles doing that, and it also exposes a huge weakness in their secondary because they can't substitute players, um, they're not getting pass rush, and they get opened up down the field a lot more. So if you actually look at the numbers against hurry-up offense, they allow a higher completion completion percentage, 68 versus 58%. More yards per attempt, 8.7 versus 6.0. Um, passer ratings, 106.5 versus 73.5. And then they surrender a whopping 7.28 total yards per play in hurry-up versus a 4.83 when there's a huddle. So that's a massive difference um, in yardage. And all that data comes from Pat Thorman um, of Pro Football Focus. So when they go in no huddle... Brandon Cooks accounts for 23% of Brady's no-huddle completions, 44% of his no-huddle yards, and 100% of the touchdowns in no-huddle for Brady. So it's a soft matchup on the perimeter for Brandon Cooks, and I just really, really like the matchup. If he draws Jalen Mills, he's he's got a massive speed advantage. He, Cooks ran a 4.33 in the 40, Mills a 4.61, so there's a massive difference. If it's Ronald Darby, I'm not as high on the matchup, but if he draws Jalen Mills, I think Brandon Cooks has a monster game. Yeah, so we quite like Brandon Cooks as well. Um, I think on draft stars, we have him and Jeffrey kind of on about an equal score, but Cooks better value. I think Cooks is pretty much the obvious play at Moneyball, as you kind of mentioned, and salary is their benefit. The only kind of consideration, um, and the reason I'll probably have Jeffrey in some lineups is just that um, quarterback wide receiver one pairing um, that yep. I'd be looking to have um, certainly as kind of a stable building block before I go to the points of difference. Um, but yeah, no, certainly no objection. Running hooks, I think, will probably end up 70% exposure or something in my lineups. Yeah, and I think he, you know, will be, you know, highly owned, but I think a lot of people are going to favor um, Emondola because he's been killing it in the postseason, and that, and rightly so. He, he averaged 4.1 catches, 43.9 yards, and 0.1 touchdowns in the regular season. Now he's averaging mm-hmm. nine catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown in the playoffs. Um, so it's a huge jump in class for Emondola. It's like going from a group two to a group one and just performing better in a group one. Um, Emondola, he seems suited to these big games. So maybe he will eat into Brennan Cook's uh, ownership percentage a little bit. But I do like Emondola as well. If you if you can't afford Cooks, uh, I do think Emondola will have sort of five, six catches and, and give you a solid floor. I'm not as high on Jeffrey. Um, I'm fading him. I'd rather go at Nelson Aguilar. Um, I'm worried about the mm-hmm. matchup with Jeffrey locked up against Stefan Gilmore. They were actually former teammates at South Carolina in, in college. Um, but Gilmore's you know, second highest graded coverage corner since he since week 10 when he returned from a concussion for the Pats. So despite being kind of labeled a bust early on in the season, he's been really, really stout over the last um few weeks he's allowed an average of 2.8 receptions and 38 yards and one touchdown over his last eight games so I'm not really sure about the matchup with Jeffrey I do think Gilmore will just be locked in on him and I do prefer the the matchup with Nelson Aguilar against Eric Rowe in the slot Aguilar's had 85% of his routes in the slot 
and Eric Rowe is ranked 101 um, in terms of coverage um, in the slot. So I do think Agor has a massive, massive advantage there. And if you look at PFF's um, wide receiver corner matchup table, it's a plus 28% for Agor, which is the biggest in the match for those uh, matchups. So I do prefer Agor. He's cheaper. And, yeah, I just think there's a, a solid, a higher floor, I guess, because he is in the slot. So you're going to see maybe three, four catches um, at least. Yeah, Aguilar's draft size price put me off a little bit. Um, so I think we have Jeffrey projected for like 30, and Aguilar projected for about 10 at um, draft stars. Um, and Aguilar's 11,550, um, which puts him about $100 per point more expensive. So, yeah, I think that was kind of the consideration there. I think we have them kind of tiered. So it's pretty... It's Cooks, Jeffrey is kind of tier one. Yep. Amendola, Aglahor, tier two. Hogan's kind of Hogan and Smith are kind of sitting just below that. And then there's the rest, which are yep. a whole bunch of players between like zero and two points. Yeah. Um. So for me, I think I prefer Amendola as kind of one of those second tier players. But yep. I think as you kind of mentioned, there's potentially a sort of negative correlation in playing both Cooks and Amendola. Um. What that will look like, I think on game day, will be interesting to see. Um. But Certainly, if you're going more with kind of Eagles lineups, or you're imagining a scenario where the Eagles kind of dominate the game, which not a tiny percentage chance, right? There's a percentage chance that happens. Yep. Um, then you could go more down um, the Agler Hall route as well. Yeah, I do think the Eagles are a much better team across the board, just outside of quarterback and coach, and that's just uh, yep. they happen to be the two most important positions in a, in a franchise, unfortunately. But, yeah, the Eagles, I do think, have an advantage at O-line and D-line and, and in the trenches and at linebacker and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think that scenario is too out there. But then in saying that, you know, Philly being so good against the run, maybe it isn't that crazy to have Cooks and Aguilar in the lineup together and, and maybe mm-hmm. just going Philly running backs and then all Pat's receivers. It's kind of a weird um, sort of lineup construction, but it could be the could be the one that's just so uncommon that it is the one that actually gets over the line. Um, So it could come dead last, but you know, these, these contests, like (laughs) you got to swing for the fences. Um, And that's why. Well, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you might as well come last as, you know, 80th or 90th to most of the, um, in most cases. Yeah. I'd I'd much rather have a chance to be first by myself um, and come 90th rather than just finish 40th and with some vanilla lineup. So, you know, um, So Dorset and Mac Hollins are my pods, um, and the reason I, there's no real evidence to back any of these players over Chris Hogan or um, Tory Smith, but um, I just think they're cheaper, and I think they will be popular pods, Hogan and Tory Smith. So, um, mm-hmm. but with both these players, Dorset and Mac Hollins, they're, they're both players that only require kind of one play because they are big play threats. So it could only take one pass or one catch to give you that return on investment and be a real pod for you. Um, we've seen Mac Hollins catch a 90-yard touchdown pass early in the season off Carson Wentz. Um, so he's shown he can be a big play guy. Philip Dorsett did it with the Colts. Hasn't quite done it yet for the Pats. He's had he's had some big catches, but no, nothing touchdown um, big play yet. So maybe Bill Belichick saving that Dorsett play in the playbook for when no one expects it here in, in the Super Bowl, he'd be that crazy and you know, a mad scientist to do it as well. Um, so I'd, I'd rather just lean that way. I'm not really confident in Torrey Smith. Chris Hogan, definitely way more confident in than, than Torrey Smith. But, um, I, yeah, I, I will have some tiny bits of shares in Dorset and, and Holland. Yeah, um, 
So, as you say, Hogan and Smith are kind of maybe more of the obvious pods and they're also the ones the cruncher likes, um, which kind of supports the ownership theory. Um, Dawson Hollins, I can see myself having like 10% exposure, maybe if I have 10, um, 10 lineups in, I think you might have them in one of them. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think at that point, if you're playing a, uh, you might not be playing them as a WR2, you might be playing them in a flex position, and it's almost like a lottery ticket with whatever salary cap you have left over at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's kind of the, the theory there. It's just a lottery ticket, um, but it, it all depends on, on the lineup you've, you've put in earlier and, and what you can afford. So obviously yep. if you can afford Hogan over a Dorset or Mac Hollands, I definitely think that's the way to go. But if, you know, Hollands or Dorset allows you to, to have a better running backs and, and, and potentially Brady over Foles, then that's definitely the way to go. Uh, tight end's pretty easy. Um, Zach Ertz, 7,200 at Moneyball. 12,700 draft stars. Rob Gronkowski, 8,600 Moneyball. 14,750 at draft stars. I'm not buying anything about Gronk's concussion. He'll play. He'll be fine. Um, but Ertz, far better value for Gronk. And I have mentioned earlier that if the, the Eagles are going to be competitive and, and stay in this game, it's going to be through the running backs and the tight ends rather than the wide receivers. So I do think Ertz um, will have a, a good game. He has a you know date with this Pats defense. They gave up a touchdown last week to well, in the AFC Championship game, sorry, to Mercedes Lewis, and then uh, gave up 74 yards to to Neil Sterling in Week 17 and back in Week One as well. Travis Kelsey had a had a big game. So this is probably the best tight end they faced in a while. So I do think Zach Ertz is is the guy, and he seems to be a good safety blanket for Nick Foles. Yeah, we have Ertz ahead of um, Gronkowski, albeit only by kind of half a point or yep. so. Um, but he's also, yeah, as you say, fourteen hundred bucks cheaper on Moneyball, and was that about seventeen hundred bucks cheaper on Draft Stars? Yep. So yeah, I think there's no doubt he's the better value play. Um, as I think you kind of hinted at previously, I'll probably try and have some lineups that have both of them. Yeah, exactly. I think they're just too hard to keep. You've got to have a lineup with Gronk. He's just proven performer in, in the playoffs. Um, Scored eight times in fourteen games this year, and he's just you know he's always better than even money really to to score a touchdown um, in any given game. So um, it's hard to not not have any of them. Is there any other tight ends that you, you may think of, like a Trey Burton potentially? Um, is he coming up on any cruncher lineups at all? Uh, not really. No. Um, so the other guys I think are rated like between zero and three points. Yep. Um, so all kind of eight points behind. Uh, Zach Ertz or Gronkowski, yep. and most of them, like on Moneyball, they're only 2,000 cheaper. They're 4,600 to 5,000 on Draft Stars there. Yep. 5,500 to 9,500. Nothing really appeals there. No, definitely. I think if you're going to go cheap, um, may as well just do one of those pods at, at wide receiver rather than tight end. Um, so yep. tight end's normally sort of the second person I put in my lineup given just there's not many options. It's flip a coin sort of for tight end and for quarterback and then sort of make do from there. Uh, moving on to yep. defense, Philly is 5,000 on Moneyball, 5,200 for the Pats. 7.5 for the Pats at draft stars, 6,150. Obviously, Philly is the much better defense overall in, in metrics and DVOA and, and things like that. The Pats are, you know, a, a historically better point-scoring team on the road, only allowing about 16 points on the road this season, so they're a bend-don't-break type defense. Um, so I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Obviously, um, both these defense has, defenses have their merits, and it depends on you know, the narrative of the game that you expect and, and who you're playing yeah. at quarterback and, and featured in your lineup. But I also just kind of like the whoever you can afford strategy as well. 
Yep, um, and that's mostly going to be the Eagles. Um, yep. Yes, we prefer the Eagles. We have them, I think, ranked seven. Uh, sorry, rated at seven point two versus six point nine. They're also cheaper, but as you say, it will fit depend largely on your narrative. If you're relying on um, Patriots touchdowns um, to win, then you might obviously lean that way on your defense um, and vice versa as well. So yeah, it's as I say, Philly are two hundred cheaper on Moneyball, but they're. 1,400 cheaper on draft stars. So if you did want to kind of split them, that might be kind of a way to uh, manage your exposure across the two websites. Yep, um, definitely. And kicker, for, we don't normally talk about it, but it's only available on Moneyball. But uh, Goskowski is the cheaper option at 5,200, yep. despite being projected to score more um, across the Vegas uh, bookmakers, only by half a point or so. But um, you're getting at $100 cheaper um, it's proven yep. a more reliable kicker, although Jake Elliott's proven to be have quite a big leg um, on him. But, uh, yeah, Gostowski is probably the guy there at 5,200, just cheaper and, and with the team that's favoured. But, um, you know, it just depends down to who's scoring touchdowns and who's kicking more field goals. It, it, it just comes down mm. to that, really. Yeah, uh, I prefer Gostowski at the prices just on a numeric basis. But, yeah, again, it will correlate with um, what your lineups are. The interesting thing with kickers is that it doesn't always, I guess, correlate exactly with touchdowns because touchdowns are only going to get you the point after as opposed to the field goal. Um, so potentially there's some kind of weird kind of, kind of combos that sometimes work yep. um, where you don't necessarily have the kicker of players who score touchdowns. But mm. that being said, yeah, a small lean to Gostowski. Um, yeah, just because of that, that $100 come in handy on, on Moneyball uh, later yep. on. Uh, all right, well, that's pretty much it for Super Bowl 52, uh, Eagles, Patriots. Um, I can't really say well, we weren't expecting this. Uh, we predicted this Super Bowl back in week nine, so uh, it's uh, something that we've kind of been expecting, I guess, but didn't expect it these circumstances with Nick Foles involved and, and things like that, but here we are. And I was so hopeful in the championship game, and the Jags were looking pretty good at one point. Oh, man, I was, you know, cheering. I just, it would be good to have a, a different team. I know we're sport for choice. Like, we really should appreciate a team as good as the Pats and the run that they've had. Um, but I think uh, Will Brinson from CBS talked about sort of one-game sample sizes and some of the plays involved in creating luck and changing dynasties and legacies that sort of the Pats are sort of two plays away from being 7-0 and in Super Bowls, but they're also two plays away from being 1-6 and in Super Bowls as well. So it is yep. kind of interesting that, you know, in this in this weird game that you can still have a team sort of win three titles when it's just completely random um, on any given day and the Jags in some, some plays, some random plays sort of shot themselves in the foot. In that game, unfortunately, yep. the Jags, Eagles, Super Bowl would have been a, a crazy DFS one. The total would have been <laughs> very, very low. So probably a better matchup with more with more choice offense, offensively with, with the Pats, given all the weapons that they have. Yeah, and I'm sure it's better for the TV ratings as yep. well. <laughs> Massively. Um, no offense to the Jags, but yeah. there you go. <laughs> oh, they're the most popular team in London, so uh, maybe yeah, they could pick up. British a... ratings would have gone better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, any final thoughts on, on this? And, and what you... I've been... Asking people, what's your score prediction for the game? Um, and yeah, what's what's your score prediction for the game? Um, that's putting me on the spot. Yeah, I'd have sorry, to mate. work the bat- math back. Um, but yeah, I guess I say my thought is probably Patriots by a couple. Yep. Um, so whatever that makes us at to, what's that twenty 
23, maybe somewhere around that kind of scoreline. 26 to 23? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. We'll work, it, work those out to round touchdowny numbers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, but yeah, it's kind of an average score, packed by three, somewhere around the 47 and a half, 48 mark. Yep. All right. There um, you go. So I'll, just, I'll write Pats by two on here. Let's, sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. All right. We'll see how we go. Um, Daryl, thanks very much um, for joining us all season. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Um, it's been enjoyable talking about it each week. Had some highs, had those tournament wins. We've had a few kind of quiet weeks as well, but yep. I think it's been a good DFS season. Um, and yeah, look forward to the Super Bowl and I guess seeing what the DFS world has ahead of us in the next few months and what the Australian landscape looks like by the time we're doing NFL again. Yeah, exactly. Um, it could be a totally different landscape. So it uh, could be a, a whole whirlwind of change ahead of us in the in the coming months. Um, and especially from a gambling point of view over in the States as well. So something to, to monitor yeah. for all the listeners out there um, from an NBA and NFL perspective as well. But um, it's been a fun ride for DFS under in, in, down under in Season 1. Um, a, quite a profitable season, um, and hopefully yeah. we can bring it home here uh, with some uh, some great uh, one-game lineups here in uh, Super Bowl 52. Yep, and um, yeah, good luck to you and good luck to everyone listening. Um, and... Let's hope that a few of us are near the top of the leaderboards come sort of Monday afternoon. Yeah, let's hope I'm atop the leaderboard come Monday afternoon <laughs> um, and no one else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Daryl... Not sure I agree. Yeah, okay. We'll see how we go. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll let you go. And uh, I'll just implore everybody to please check out the Punt Return podcast for all our prop bets and uh, our plays this week. And please check out our hour-long uh, Super Bowl preview podcast as well. And... Uh, Hopefully we'll be back next season for DFS Down Under and uh, good luck. Thanks for listening to DFS Down Under. Go check out all the best premium daily fantasy tools at fantasyinsider.com.au. You can also check out all the recommendations mentioned on today's podcast online at wootedy.com. And make sure you follow each of the boys on Twitter at this is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at Woot and Y.